0: what are you drinking today? Well, Amanda, I have one of my famous concoctions of uh, Smirnoff Watermelon Vodka, some watermelon sugar-free powder mix stuff with water, and this Malibu I don't know what it is drink <laughs> tonight, today. <laughs> wow, that is
1: concoction
0: intense. <laughs> I I so always do that, though. The simplest one I've ever had was watermelon vodka and watermelon Red Bull. That is true. That too your for me.
2: beverages are always sophisticated. <laughs> I like to keep you on your toes. You do a good job at that.
0: It's <laughs> a science
1: experiment.
0: What, what are you drinking today, Amanda? Well, you know, I don't like to get as crazy
2: as you. So I have some strawberry coladas
0: Vodka Vodka with black cherry seltzer. That sounds just like you. Two, two things mixed into one.
2: I like to do the seltzers. Like, that's kind of a jam. Yes, you do.
0: Yes, it is. That
2: and ginger beer. Yes, the ginger beer is on point always. Welcome
0: to this episode of Veterans Drinking Vodka.
2: We believe that every veteran has a story to tell, and we are here to tell it. We have found that being a veteran can be hard, even though being in the service has been a lot simpler. In this episode, we are talking to Ryan Lisberger.
0: He served in the United States Air Force from 2010 to 2016, with security forces, and as a combat arms instructor. How are you today, Ryan? Ryan?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me.
0: I bet you are. We're so happy to have you here. What are you drinking today?
1: Drinking that uh, high-quality H2O.
0: That is an excellent choice.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it
1: is. (laughs) Got to try and stay somewhat sane.
2: We're working on that.
1: We haven't got there yet.
2: All right, Ryan, tell us how your journey started and where are you from?
1: I am, so I was born in Alaska. I lived there until I was 10. Moved to Folsom, California when I was 10. Grew up in Folsom, graduated. I uh, ended up going to the community college there. I wanted to be a cop. And after I graduated with my associate's degree there was a huge hiring freeze in California for all the police agencies around that time. So I was lost and I was like, shit, I don't want to continue going to college. And what am I going to do now? So I decided to look into the military and reached out to a recruiter at the Air Force. Took me in. I told him, like, hey, I want to be a cop. And my plan was to only do a couple of years and and then get out and be a cop on the outside. How did that work out for you? Yeah, it didn't work out. <laughs> now that I'm out with full PTSD, I can't do it anymore. What
2: was the wildest animal you saw growing up in Alaska?
1: A bear.
0: That's like it. a grizzly bear?
1: Yeah, like a real big bear.
2: There's that
0: documentary
2: where the guy would go to Alaska every summer and like film and live with uh, the bears. The, I was going to say into the wild but that's not into the wild. No, it's not into the wild. And then so he would go up there and he would like watch the bears and he thought he was like friends with the bears and he would live there in a tent all summer and he did it for like several years and he just one of the bears ate him. I've never heard of that.
1: I haven't heard that either. Now we got to go watch it.
2: I'll have to look it up and tell you what it is. I've seen it. It's creepy but
0: So Ryan out of all, because all branches of the military have police, why did you choose the Air Force, not any other branch?
1: It's just the first one that I uh, reached out to and got a an answer back from. So they were quickest in getting back to me.
2: That's impressive. Usually it's the Marine
0: Corps. They're, like, on
1: it. No. They were out first.
0: Cheers to the Air Force picking Ryan up first for- <laughs> Police, cheer
1: Yeah, of the
0: Air Force. I can't so, believe we're cheering in the Air Force.
2: Now <laughs> it's weird. Who would have thought? um Ryan, how or what were your duty stations, and did you have a favorite one?
1: So uh, my first duty station was Beale Air Force Base, back in California. So you go in hoping to go somewhere else, and you come back home. So. um Yeah. So I went there and I was there for four years and Beale is actually known as a black hole. So the only way to truly get out is, is by cross training to getting out of that base. So that's when I, after four years, I cross trained into combat arms and then they moved me over to Lackland Air Force Base in Texas and Texas.
0: Cheers to Texas. Cheers cheers to to Texas. Texas.
1: Yep. And Texas was my favorite um, base out of the two that I was at. And then I got got out. I
0: I, really don't blame you. Texas was awesome. Yeah.
1: Texas was awesome. I loved it.
0: We have a good time
2: in Texas. Yes, we do. (laughs) Why was that one your favorite?
1: I think that one was my favorite because I had a closer group of individuals that I worked with. So when I was combat arms there, I taught all the incoming security forces members how to shoot. And so we had a smaller group of guys that worked together. And every single day after work, we would sit there and play either cornhole or flag football or something like that together. And then every single weekend we were at somebody's house and it was just this tight knit family, so to say.
2: That's incredible how you can find those connections when you're in the service and you know it doesn't matter where you come from or what you did or or who you are and then you come into the service and you meet all these people and then you just become a family that's incredible do you have an active duty story do does the air force have a name for active duty stories
0: so like in the navy in the navy they're called sea stories yes and we and we have learned that with the army They call them deployment stories. Deployment stories.
1: No, we don't have a name for it.
0: I bet y'all don't. (laughs) (laughs) Another burn on the Air Force. I think it's going to happen the whole thing. I'm going to apologize to you right now, Ryan, in case I did not apologize to you earlier.
1: (laughs) I'm (laughs) used to it. We're good.
2: Air Force
0: is our favorite branch to roast.
2: Favorite. Used to it, it's it's all from the bottom of our hearts, though.
1: It's okay, y'all just hate. It's all good.
2: It's all <laughs> we, good. It's not, Maybe it's jealousy. absolutely yeah. we are we are haters. We are just hairy because haterade. Because you chose the
1: wrong branch. Yeah, Don't hate
2: me. No, I don't think I chose the wrong branch. I had a good <laughs> idea, No, no. I mean, there's no choosing the wrong branch. No, there isn't. So Ryan, do you have an active duty story to tell us today?
1: So the only story that I can really think of is we were deployed to Afghanistan in 2011 to 2012, and on the way back from Afghanistan, when you get to your uh, first destination back you're finally allowed to drink so you haven't been drinking for you know eight plus months and you were allowed to have a maximum of two beers is what it was supposed to be so of course
2: like beer day in the navy when you're on deployment for longer than 45 days Uh,
1: I wish you could have beer in Afghanistan. Wouldn't that be nice? Like
2: they ship it in from somewhere and it's whatever they have. And yeah, if you're underway with no ports for 45 or 90 days, I think it was 45 days. And then don't ask me. I never deployed. And then you get a beer day and you get two beers.
1: Oh my gosh.
2: If you have friends that don't like beer,
1: then you get four and six.
2: and eight yeah <laughs> Just then you count get them up in increments of two <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I, I, hey i'm having my next two
2: <laughs> yeah they go get them and bring them to you and then yeah all good so yeah so <laughs> you guys are allowed two so, beers
1: yep we're allowed two beers and we had this younger kid who probably my guess is hasn't really drank before then and Bless he his had his two beers we uh, went to the Chow Hall, and as we were eating Chow, you could just see it on his face that oh, he was oh, getting yeah. ready. And yep, he threw up right there, all over his meals, all over everything. Um, took him outside, and he continued throwing Like you would have thought that he would have been drinking. Did he have all anything my,
0: to throw up?
1: I'm yeah. I, there was a lot. I don't know Um. what, but there was a lot. (laughs) There's a lot that came up, but he threw up all over his meals and all over everybody else's meals. And
2: do you think maybe he had an allergic reaction to drinking?
1: No, because I actually became uh, housemates with him afterwards. We got a house together, and yeah, he uh, grew to being alcoholic with the rest of us.
0: It just took him a
1: little bit. Yeah.
0: Is he gonna when he, he listens to this coaching. podcast, Brian? When he listens to this, is he gonna know that you were talking about him?
1: Oh yeah, he'll know. <laughs> <laughs> he'll know. So he's
0: gonna he's gonna have to come on and defend himself. Like yes, and well, he can tell it us was, a story about it was you. food poisoning or something that the Air Force gave to me and they made me do it and they are the reason why.
2: No, he'll be like, <laughs> no, it was like food poisoning.
1: That's ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with how good their chow halls are, yeah.
0: Their uh snacks get catered. We already know it's five-star cuisine when you're in the Air Force.
1: <sighs> Wish man, <laughs> if I was if I knew that, I would be eating at the chow hall every day.
0: Actually Pensacola, Pensacola say, has like one of the best chow halls in all of the military. Pensacola was good. Like I would still go
1: to Pensacola and eat at their chow hall. I'd
0: go there right now.
2: <laughs> or galley
1: together. Never been there, so yeah. wouldn't know.
2: If you get the opportunity, like, just go
0: and get a spicy chicken sandwich. Or anything. Yeah.
1: Man, anything. I'll tell you what, don't don't order pizza when you're in Bagram. <laughs> Have y'all ever had goat cheese?
0: Yes. yes. Do you like
1: goat cheese? Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. I got tricked. <laughs> I got so tricked when I was there. They had – um. Oh God, what was it? They had a, a pizza place there. And I was like, yes, real American food. I'm so excited. Go there, order the pizza, get my pizza. And I ordered a large, right? So I'm like, you know, I'm going to go all out because, you know, true American food. Order it, get it, take it back. And I start eating. And I was like, oh my God, this tastes freaking awful. Come to find out it's goat cheese. There's not even real cheese on it. I was like, "Oh my cheese god!"
2: Real cheese and it's delicious. Well, it is right. not real go, cheese. Goat
0: cheese is real cheese.
1: <laughs> it is not. It is awful. It's
0: just pasteurized
2: cheese product from the United States yeah. government.
1: It is not a good cheese. Fine, <laughs> we'll go with that. It is the worst cheese.
0: I think it was is. probably bad because you weren't expecting it yeah. to be. What
2: else? Goat. What, what other toppings were on that pizza
1: uh it was just chicken
2: yeah that's why it was horrible
1: no the greatest pizza ever is white sauce cheese and chicken
0: huh. mm. where do you normally order that from
1: any pizza place what are you talking about if you've never had it you have to try it one time and i guarantee you'll probably be like all right i'll never never go back I'm to eating get normal. it with
0: um but I'm gonna get it with goat cheese. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get it with goat cheese just so I can have the experience.
2: Like for real though, oh. if you do goat cheese, you got to do like a a sweet and salty thing, so like pears or pears
1: on a pizza. Yeah, with goat no. cheese. No, that's like.
0: Well, no. I like pineapple
1: on pizza. Yeah, are we gonna bring that up? Pineapple on pizza.
0: <laughs> pineapple on pizza. I like Does pineapple pineapp- on pizza. Ham and pineapple on pizza.
2: I do I pineapple jalapeno. Oh. No. Can I the, the sweet and the salty? I mean, the sweet and the spicy.
1: With goat cheese.
2: Oh, goat cheese would be amazing <laughs> on one of those pieces. Who
1: oh.
0: knew we were going to talk about goat cheese today? <laughs> right? Like We're talking to the Air
2: Force, so of course we're talking about goat cheese. Goat I know. Something like, so gourmet, fancy. Like bougie. <laughs> Air Force goat cheese. Oh, my <laughs> God.
0: Oh, that's hey, go hey, on one of our Cheers. Tickets. Cheers to Air Force gourmet goat cheese. (laughs) Cheers to Air Force gourmet goat cheese.
2: (laughs) All right, so all shenanigans aside, and we love the Air Force, even though we like to roast them, they are all our brothers and sisters in arms. Eventually, you have to get out of the service and you have to leave all that behind and you have to leave that brotherhood and sisterhood behind. How was your transition from military to civilian.
1: Oh, it was awful. That was probably one of the hardest things that I've ever been through. So when you get out, you're supposed to go through TAPS, you know, that transition program and the transition program really, it it really doesn't prepare you enough to getting out. So when we went through it, it was more like they helped you create a resume and the the resume that you created i guess was completely wrong compared to today's resume that you're supposed to have found that out later on and they just they pretty much tell you like hey you're not going to make shit for money compared to what you make in here so it's like oh awesome that's great so yeah no i got out and i was struggling with holding down jobs, you know, since I got out, I tried to, I tried to work for a police agency and I think I lasted maybe about two months and the PTSD just was an overdrive while trying to work with another police agency. So that didn't work out. And then I tried a couple odd end jobs of you know working at like grocery stores and working with uh, kids with autism and stuff like that but it seemed like no matter what I did I just couldn't couldn't hold down the job and later come to find out it was because of PTSD so when I when I first got out I didn't open up about PTSD when I got back from Afghanistan you know you pretty much said nope, nothing happened I'm good no nightmares, don't see anything, don't know what you're talking about, and you just drink your problems away. And that's the way it was. And they would always ask you, like, how much do you drink? You would say the original one to two beers a week. That's it. And so you just suppress everything, and you just uh, drink it all away. And after a uh, failed marriage and not being able to hold down a job, I finally went and saw the VA for a normal checkup, and I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm not going to lie this time. Told the truth on how much I was drinking and that I was having nightmares and that I wasn't sleeping and all of my little issues and they were like, Can you stay here for a minute? And I was like, Yeah. They came back with a psychologist and had to have me checked out with a psychologist right there on the spot to make sure I, you know, wasn't suicidal or anything like that. And that's where my journey of moving on with PTSD started.
0: I'm gonna ask you something, and you do not have to answer this. Did you have
1: suicidal thoughts i did and i still do so i still struggle with suicidal ideation i've attempted suicide multiple times thankfully i had a a dog at the time that actually jumped on me and it wasn't a service dog or anything like that it was just my normal dog that i had and actually jumped on me and held my arms down so if it wasn't for that dog i wouldn't wouldn't be here today
2: Dogs are so. such blessings. Like they know what we need before we know what we need most of the time.
1: Yeah. So yes, I still struggle with uh, suicidal ideation. It's literally a, a daily thing. There's different severities of it. It could be something as quick as you're thinking of it, just for a minute or two, and then there's those hard days where you know it's a hour long process of your literally thinking of, well, shit, if I, if I was to do this, who would I call first to let them know, like, who would I transfer all my money to what would happen with my child? And, but thankfully I have a good, uh, a good therapist currently that has helped me with different plans and uh, having different things in place to help me out.
2: So as you're moving through this mental health journey and fighting with those Demons that you're fighting with. Do you feel like you're gaining the tools you need to work your way through some of those harder situations by finally having the courage to ask for help?
1: Yeah. So after after reaching out, going through the VA process, um, the VA process didn't help at all. It actually started to make things worse in the beginning, Um, but after learning about different resources outside of the VA and having um, different things brought to me and brought to my attention, I've received a lot of different help from different agencies and different things that have really made a positive impact and has been able to let me see that there is a light on the other side and that it's not all dark.
2: That is fantastic that you're able to be open to listening to people when they give you those resources and then following through on them. And that you're actually finally able to get the assistance that you need.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a how, long process.
2: Yeah, it is it's you know, they call it a mental health journey for a reason. And there's there's ups and downs and sideways and here's and there's, and you can just hope that you get to a place where you could be okay and where you can like get through to the next day.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um,
2: and then how are you doing now today?
1: Still work in progress. Every day is a work in progress, but I am still reaching out, still pushing forward, waiting on getting a service dog. I am in line to get a service dog in the next you, uh, couple months.
0: Ryan, can you tell us about some of the, the things that you have done to get you to where you're at today and about the service dog journey?
1: So it actually all started. So I, I first reached out to the VA when, you know, I started this whole process and I went through three or four different therapists within the VA. And it's the the VA that's in California. And the reason I went through so many is because I felt like I wasn't ever heard or listened to when I was going through it. I had one therapist that literally would just offer groups for everything. It didn't matter what I said. No matter what I said, the VA had a group for this. Or the VA had a group for that. i would tell them like, hey, I'm struggling with this. She'd be like, I have a group for that. And I would say, look, I'm not, I'm personally not ready for a group. I'm just trying to focus on myself and make myself better. And then I would continue talking and she'd be like, I have a group for that. i would be like, look, I'm not ready for a group. That's not what I need. I need to focus on myself. And I'm not going to, not going to tell you again, started talking. She brought up group again. I got up and walked out never went back to her. Another one just tried to start me on a bunch of medication. And when I took this medication, I was on four or five different types of meds, You know, meds for PTSD, anxiety, depression, meds for sleeping, for nightmares. And so I was all over the board with all these different types of medications and it started making things worse rather than helping. So I I guess wasn't so smart in this area. I didn't know really what I was taking. I never really looked into it. So if anybody is on medication, I highly suggest you actually look up the medication, see the side effects, look and see you know what medications you should take together and not take at the same time. And then also if you are to quit taking those medications, um, taper off of them. You really need to taper off of these medications because I didn't. I just, I was on them for a few months. Quit cold turkey and it is it literally feels like you are coming off of crack it was awful you were completely like you just become sick and have chills and it's one of the worst experiences that you will go through so highly suggest even though you're going to stop medication if you decide to do so taper off of them slowly so that you don't go through that experience but I actually started learning about a bunch of different programs because I started going back to school for psychology and I go to Brandman University I was going down to the I was traveling down to the bay area and I it was full of a bunch of other vets and I learned about different programs from each kind of vet and so one would tell me about a service dog program one would tell me about the disabled veteran license plates that you can get. One was um, about Wounded Warrior Project or Catch a Lift Fund. So there's a bunch of these things that were told to me. And so I did my own research on each one and started signing up for, for them. And the biggest two groups that have been the most helpful, number one is Wounded Warrior Project. If you are a vet and you have any sort of disability or anything highly suggest you go on their website sign up with them they are the biggest resource that you can ever have in your back pocket they do amazing thing for vets um and i would like to talk further into that if that's all right
2: yeah Yeah. the floor is yours
1: So when it comes to Winter Warrior Projects, they do, they helped me by, that was the first time I saw a outside therapist for my mental health. I reached out to them and let them know that, you know, I wasn't liking any of the therapists at the VA and they said, you know what, we will pay for 10 sessions for you to see an outside therapist. So that was my first experience with them of them just being like hey you need help here's your help we'll reach out and we'll get you a therapist and you can you know try different ones and figure out which one works best for you and when you find them we'll pay for 10 sessions so they paid for 10 sessions for me to have therapy and that was the first start of my big help but they do other amazing things you can go to you know when COVID's not here. They do sporting events so you can go to baseball games, you can go to hockey games, you can go to football games. They have all kinds of stuff. Uh, and what's cool with that is you go and sit in the box seats. So you're not around like the big crowds or anything like that, especially for us who have PTSD and don't really like crowds. You go through the side entrances, you go through like the VIP stuff, you go up to the box office, and it's you. And a couple of other vets. And you're allowed to bring your family with you if you want. So there's only a certain amount of tickets and stuff that they give out. And it's just you and a couple of vets. And you guys get to sit there and watch, watch the game. And you get to talk amongst each other and share resources, stuff like that. They do amazing things with PTSD. They have two different PTSD programs within their, within their program. There is a weekend one where they will send you away to um, somewhere like out in the wilderness and you get a like sip line or like rock climb and do kind of stuff. Like with a other, retreat. Yeah, kind of like a retreat with other vets. and But then you also sit down and you work with a therapist there and you work as a group talking about like, you know, PTSD or whatever it is that you want to talk about. And as you leave, they will stay in contact with you. The other PTSD program they have is they actually fly you to a facility. It's an inpatient like facility, and I think it's for a month or so. I'm not, not quite sure how long it is, but they will fly you there. They will also allow your family to come, and they will work on you with your PTSD, but they will also work with your family and explain to them how PTSD works and kind of like what they can do and expect and and work with your family at the same time. And I know it's kind of scary for some people to be like, well, shit, I'm going to be out of a job for a month. Isn't
2: that kind of a newer program where they're starting to realize that one of the best resources to help a veteran is to educate their family at the same time that they're helping the veteran.
1: Uh, I'm not sure on how new it is, but ever since I've been signed up with them, it's been there. And I've been signed up with them for the past two years. Yeah, um, as, yeah So about two years ago, I signed up starting with to, them.
2: Like, I'm starting to hear about that more than I did yeah a few years ago where they're really starting to put a focus on therapy for the whole family, not just for the vet where before it was only therapy for the vet and the family still didn't know how to cope with it. So it yeah. seems like it's a, an important thing to kind of transition into is where they're helping the families as well as the veteran, because the families have to learn how to deal with that as well.
1: Yeah. So I've, highly suggest that one for anybody because the other thing too is i know it's kind of scary being like well shit i gotta take time off work am i gonna be able to pay for my bills am i gonna be able to pay for all this stuff they actually will if you need help with your bills while you were there they will pay for your bills while you're there they will fly you out there they will fly you back they cover everything so there is they take away that worry the extra worry so that way you can actually be there and truly focus on yourself and your family so highly suggest wood warriors and if you want to they do other things like if you want to learn how to cook if you want to learn how to you know rock climb if yeah, you want to like, huh
2: like an outlet like they teach you an outlet to kind of do yeah this
1: so we had vets that were like hey i want to go do the dinner in the dark and they were like okay we'll see if we can make that happen and on the very next what is that? dinner in the dark yeah what's dinner in the dark you uh go you you get so it's completely pitch black so you can't see they sit you down the server sit you down at a table and you literally eat your meal in the dark so you don't actually see it it's all more of a tasting thing it's interesting. But we had, there was vets that were like, hey, I want to do that. And they were like, okay, we'll make it happen. And they made it happen. So, I'm
0: really I'm thankful that you're talking about Wounded Warrior Project. Um, Amanda and I have talked about that privately. So I'm thankful that you are shedding some light on the benefits of Wounded Warrior Project for, for veterans.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. nice to hear someone that's had a, a real-life story come out of that project.
1: Yeah. So I love them. They will, if, if you need help and you want something, they will find a way to make it happen, which is awesome. Love them. The other program is there's a bunch of programs around for service dogs. If you, I don't,
0: I know that I heard you talking about this before, but I, I really, if you don't mind, please go into into detail and into depth about your experience and your journey with getting a service dog.
1: So I first signed up with, um, it's called Canine for Warriors. They're an amazing program. I love what they do. They will take dogs from shelters. So they save dogs from shelters. They will train them. Um, they are based out of Florida. And so what happens is, is you fly, you fly to Florida, they pay for everything about the service dog. They do the training for them. They fly you out there. It's, I believe like a three week program while you're there, you train with the service dog and then you get to keep the service dog in the end. And the service dog is fully covered. Uh, everything that comes with the service dog, but the, bad part about that is at first it was a two-year wait period, which I was fine with. I was fine with with the two-year wait period. As that two-year wait period was coming to an end and my class date was getting closer, COVID hit. So when COVID hit, they obviously had to stop everything for a couple of weeks. And when they opened back up, I feel like they kind of opened things up the wrong way so the way they opened it up was anybody who was in florida they so they were opening it up in three phases it was anybody who was in florida was now at the top of the list because they were based in florida and then it was anybody within like a thousand mile radius of florida was second phase and then third phase was everybody else well i'm on the total opposite coast my class date was coming up and all of a sudden, it got pushed out. I've been waiting two years. It got pushed out another three years.
0: Wow. Because,
1: because, because of that. Because
0: lived in California.
1: hmm
0: Which is so shitty. Yeah.
1: So you had people. It's, who,
0: not, it's, not even, it's not even their fault. That's not the organization's fault. And I'm sure that they felt the same type, maybe not necessarily the same type of turmoil, but they still had to have some type of remorse because they didn't really have a choice in what they were going to do moving forward because of COVID.
1: No, and, and it's, it's not necessarily their fault. It's just the way that I think, so their reasoning was, I think they were more or less afraid of like flights being canceled or something like that. And then that service dog could have been with somebody who was already there. So I, I mean, I understand it, but A lot of the vets, like vets like me, who were at the top of the list, we were getting ready to go and then being told like, hey, now you got another three-year wait period and you had people who were probably in Florida that just signed up getting their service dog over you who's already been waiting a bunch of years. It's kind of shitty and unfortunately, they got a lot of nasty things kind of written on like their Facebook and stuff like that from vets. But don't get me wrong, that program is an amazing program and the other thing is it's free like you're not paying for the service dog you're not paying for anything they do all the training they do everything for you so they're an amazing program with amazing things and once covid is kind of settled down um that program is definitely one that i highly suggest for people to look into
0: and what was so, the name of it We me say that again
1: it's called canine for warriors but i didn't i i you know i don't know where i'm going to be in 3 years i really need this service dog it will help me out tremendously in my life for my ptsd so i started doing my own research for service dogs in california and what i found out is for vets like just type in service dog for vets with ptsd in and put your area and you will probably see there are a lot of different programs out there that are there to help veteran not only veterans but any type of first responder so if you were if you were medical if you were fire if you're police if you're whatever there are so many different programs out there for you for service dogs to help you out and so I was actually able to find one recently and I put in for it and um, they are actually going to get me a service dog in less than three months. Wow.
0: That's so, incredible. That Ryan, that's from, they're similar to in Florida. So they're getting you a service dog from a, from a kill shelter, correct?
1: Yes. So that's why I, I honestly, I, I love a lot of these programs because they are, so their motto is saving animals to save others. So they get them from the shelters that they were more or less going to be, put down and so they save those animals and again they train the animals it's fully free of cost to vet so you don't pay for anything and this one is actually only a uh, one week training program with your service dog instead of three so you'll go there you'll be there for a week and you'll end up with your service dog and they are saving dogs while saving lives at the same time that's incredible. Yep. So the one that I'm going through, if anybody is in California, it's called uh, Pause for Life Canine Rescue. Their website is k9.org If you want to look them up, they're amazing. Super easy process too. Really easy process to get signed up.
2: That's really cool. And we're going to put the links to these programs that you're talking about into our show notes as well. So that anyone that may miss them in the conversation can still pull them out of our Out of our show notes. So if you had advice for someone that was either still active duty, getting ready to be a veteran or trying to find their, their way on the trail of being a veteran, what would that
1: advice be? Seek out for help. Definitely seek out for help. And as you go through talking with different therapists, I highly suggest finding a therapist that is either EMDR certified or brain spotting certified.
0: Can you tell us about EMDR and brain spotting?
1: Yeah. So when you're going to therapy, the when you're just doing normal therapy, the main part of your brain that you're actually working on is the fore part of your brain in the front. And when you do EMDR or brain spotting, it works more towards the back part of your brain and Amanda uh, and I
0: are giving a visual right now because this is a podcast you can't see where we're pointing (laughs) to like being um yeah being the flight attendants for for brain (laughs) therapy we we are we are brain therapy flight attendants (laughs) yeah
1: so when it comes to emdr and and brain spotting i've been through brain spotting and it's changed a lot for me basically what happens is is when you when we have like these ptsd thoughts or and and it's not just for ptsd it could be for anything that you go through if you've been cheated on and that's all you really think about so it's the one thing that like you constantly keep thinking about and it gets brought up and you're thinking about it and thinking about it and you can't get it to go away that's more or less coming from the back part of your brain and so like with for example for with brain spotting what they do is your therapist will hold a pointer out and he'll start up in like the upper right hand corner and you're looking at this spot and as he moves it kind of in different spots you start thinking about the event that you want change that you don't want to really be thinking about anymore and he will eventually get to a spot and you'll start to feel like really sick and some people have thrown up while doing this um and that's completely like like
0: homeboy after two beers
1: kind of like homeboy after two beers you just start you start to maybe that's what maybe he was going through brain spotting at the same time who (laughs) knows um but you start to think about the thing and you start to feel really sick and so he'll hold that pointer in that spot, and he'll say, "Okay, start thinking about, um, start thinking about the incident, and just let your brain go. Just wherever it goes, it goes. You could think about, you know, pink bunnies or rainbows or, you know, the zoo Unicorn. or whatever. You could think about unicorns, the big fluffy unicorns.
2: Howard the Duck.
1: <laughs> think about that.
2: I so. floated on Howard the Duck. <laughs> we have so I have an inflatable fleet." and so we have like frankie the flamingo we have howard the duck and so it's it's a joyous (laughs) thing
1: (laughs) yeah you think about your duck there you go (laughs) think about homeboy's story on on the thing that had only a leg left from your previous podcast
0: oh the chicken
1: the chicken with the the only leg you might start thinking about that because you're you heard the podcast from before who knows yeah
2: and you thought it was a great story i'm still picturing all these (laughs) marines running
1: around
2: with (laughs) guns trying to find a dog like
1: (laughs) see you might start thinking about that but your brain you just let your brain hey you just let your brain start to kind of go and then they'll remind you like hey, start thinking about the incident again. You start thinking about it and then you let your brain go and go wherever it pleases. And then you start thinking about it and you let your brain go. And pretty much what it's doing is it's rewiring the way that your brain processes. So that way, as you continue on with your life and you start to think about, you know, whatever that incident is, your brain has now been rewired to, oh, we're thinking about this. We're not supposed to. We're going to think about, you know, the bunnies or the rainbows or whatever. And it kind of it yeah, takes buddy. takes away from, from just how your brain processes different information, different things. So, yeah, I love what brain spotting and EMDR does. Now, if you are going to do that, make sure you have nothing else planned for the rest of the day because it is very taxing. I'm sure
0: that it's mentally draining.
1: Yeah. So you will have to just relax or take a nap or something for the rest of the day um, because you will be exhausted. And there are a lot of emotions that come out while you're doing it. Completely normal. You are going to probably you will hear stories of other vets who've done it before I did it vets told me about it and they said look like that was the most i've ever cried in my life like i bawled like a baby so do you yeah.
2: think that one of your best resources has been from other veterans
1: yes other vets is where that's where i've learned about all these programs so that's the crazy thing is when going through the va like and talking to other vets i would have thought the va would have all these programs like put out there somewhere or like hung up or something because I've learned so many different programs about it. Like even for if, and I know a lot of vets love weightlifting. I know you absolutely love it. And I know it's, it's a way to, you know, kind of get your anger out and stuff like that. So there is another program called catch a lift fund and it's for veterans. So if you are hundred percent disabled, because of something that happened in wartime they will pay for either a year's worth of going to a gym whatever gym you want or they will buy you a at-home gym they will purchase gym equipment for your house and you can get it now if you're not 100% disabled but you are you do have some sort of disability you can still sign up with them And they have a lot of resources in there with different tips on different eating programs. So that, you know, there's people that like the keto program or whatever eating program you like. They have all different types of meals and different programs and stuff. They have different workouts that you can do um, at home workouts or at the gym workouts, stuff like that. So they are a good program to look up as well. But yeah, I've, Everything I've learned, it's like I've I've learned about catch a lift from this vet. I've learned about Wounded Warriors from this vet. I've learned about, you know, the disabled veteran license plate from this vet. I've learned about the canine from this vet. And so I think it's very important also to reach out to other veterans and just have them as resources. And most of us who are vets, we've all been through the you know, we might not have been through the exact same shit, but we've all been through stuff. We've all been there. We've all, you know, those of us who have deployed, you know, we're, we are going, we're all still, even though we get out, we are all still a team. Yes. And we need to
0: even be- though we give people from the Air Force shit.
1: Even <laughs> though you give us shit.
0: We are I- still...
2: We're still a team. I know and
1: I know a hundred percent if I was to call that person who makes fun of the airports, if I call that person, any, I know they're they're gonna anytime. answer. Absolutely,
0: yep. Absolutely. any time of day, at any hour, no matter what's going on.
1: And so that's one thing that I personally want to try and create or do is I want to volunteer. I don't want to work with vets because I know a lot of the times like when you start working. You start, it burns you out or whatever, or you start going after that money or, you know, whatever else that people do while they're working. I want to volunteer my time and I want to get these, which is why I love this podcast, because I want to get all of these resources that I have been told about. I think every vet needs to know about them. Every vet needs to know about them and start looking into them. And I've been through the sign up process. Through every single one, and that was kind of like the harder part too. Is like the vets told me about it, but didn't really walk me through the sign up process. And I know some of these sign up processes can be taxing, or you know, could be confusing while you're looking on their websites and stuff like that. So I've been through, or,
0: or just overwhelming yeah. as someone, overwhelming. especially especially with mental health issues and wanting to have the pride of who you are as a person. Even beginning to look at any type of program, whether it's something as simple as going to the VA for a physical or getting a service dog or getting a psychologist or getting on meds or going through EMDR or going through brain spotting or anything, all of that thrown at you at once because TAPS class, which I did not attend, all of that thrown at you at once though. And you're by yourself, you for that. No, nothing, nothing prepares you for that. And that's why I think why we are so important though, Amanda, is because we are allowing any veteran from any avenue to not only come to, to myself or to you, but to any single person who is on this podcast that they would feel comfortable with because like family support or your spousal support which some people have, some people don't have, but having somewhere to go, someone to turn to, when you don't know what to do, right? What to and, do? Where to start? Right, and that that in itself is so overwhelming. so so overwhelming, and to have a, like someone like Ryan who's like, "Hey, these I've done are, it. These Let me show you how." Right. I mean, that's, that's that's why that's why we're here. yeah, it's an incredible resource. And
2: it's never too late. I don't know how long Ryan it was before you started utilizing some of the resources that are out there for you, but I know I got out of the Navy in two thousand eleven, and I didn't do anything with the VA until the beginning of the year, like January because i had other veterans that were like hey this is what you need to do because before then i was like i don't know what to do or where to start or who to talk to or so it actually came from a handful of other veterans that was like this is what you need to do and this is where you go and this is how you get it done and then i was like oh that was so easy like why was i so scared of it for 10 plus years like i could have been getting yeah. help years ago like help that i needed and i'm just now starting that journey where i could have you know been well into it by this point so it's never too late
1: yeah it's it's definitely never too late and something else that uh, one thing i love about like my current therapist is i've always been told so like you know we've we usually always suppress our stuff or like we always kind of deny everything or try and be macho or something like that right one don't be it it
0: doesn't matter that you're in the air force
1: doesn't matter you can still get it but don't don't be afraid to open up but something else that i was told is because like i questioned this too like i knew i had stuff wrong but like my ptsd wasn't as like it wasn't as hard until like after i got out then all of a sudden it's like just one day it all hit me all of a sudden and i and I've had people ask like, well, you didn't have PTSD after you came back from war. You didn't, you weren't showing signs or symptoms or anything like that. When you came back as much as you are now, like why all of a sudden are you just like faking it or whatever? And I'm like, no, like, honestly, I have no idea. I don't know why it all of a sudden hit me and I asked my therapist about it. And he said, look at it like this while you were still in the military. So I was still, I was still a cop. I was still a weapons instructor. You are constantly in that fight or flight mode while you're in especially while you know you're if you're you know this could go for any police agency or medical or fire or anything you're you're constantly in that fight or flight mode so your brain is constantly working and you're you're not recognizing it and then all of a sudden now you're out and you're calmed down and you're settled into where you are now all of a sudden your brain's like i don't have this fight or flight anymore you don't need it so then it stops and Everything will be like, oh shit, now I have this and it like cranks it up to ten. So you could have been at a five or you could have you could have been like okay suppressing it, but all of a sudden as soon as you get out, eventually it's gonna hit you.
2: Right. And it goes from manageable to what the heck out of control. You're right.
1: So so yeah. it is best as soon as you get out. I don't even care if you get out and you don't think you have anything, get out and start with therapy. Get out and reach out to other vets and at least have those vets lined up to where if all of a sudden you wake up one day in the middle of the night and you're like, I just had the biggest nightmare of my life, and it starts, you have those vets already lined up, you have those services already lined up, and you know what to do. You have a plan in place. Exactly.
2: Because some of us get out and we go right into another extreme job. That's what I did. Or school. Yeah. Or school where you're like grinding all the time. And so I went from being an air traffic controller in the Navy to being an engineer for the railroad. And so it was the same environment, even though I was now a civilian, quote unquote, a civilian. I was still working that high stress, crazy turnover, odd shifts, holidays. Mm -hmm. It was the same environment. And so my wall didn't really hit until after, after I left that. And it kind of slowed down and I was like sleeping or not sleeping, but I had the availability to sleep at night and I had the availability to do what I wanted to do on the weekends. And that's when my world really flipped upside down is when all that stopped. And I just had myself. I didn't have a train moving 79 miles down a track doing whatever I wanted it to do. So (laughs) you never know, like you said, you never know when it's going to hit. You could be like, I was out of the Navy for 7 or 8 years and then all of a sudden it was like a someone opened the dam and like the floodgates just washed over me and it became unmanageable like overnight. Yep. I mean, and that's okay. Like Exactly. I didn't think it was at the time but now I know like that's okay. It happens. So it doesn't make you abnormal and it doesn't mean that you didn't have something wrong with you before. You just had something else going on that prevented it from coming to being unmanageable.
1: I really like the saying it's okay to not be okay. Yes. It's it's totally okay to not be okay. And just because I know the fear of being diagnosed with PTSD, like you don't want that diagnosis, but you don't want it following you or you don't, you feel like, well, you know, if, if you're split, like I was split from my ex and I'm like, well, shit, if I come out with this, like what's that going to do to my chances of having my child? Just because you have PTSD or you have suicidal ideation or anything like that, that does not make you an unfit parent. They're not going to take your kid away. It doesn't mean that that you can't still be a parent that you still can't be a husband or wife or grandparent or whatever it is. You can still be able to be that parent because I think no matter what your parent role will always kind of be there and kick in. Mm-hmm. You might not always be perfect, but no you, there's perfect. there's no fear. There should be no fear of saying, "Oh, I'm you know, I'm labeled. You aren't labeled. You just, it is noticed that you had some traumatic event happen. It is completely okay to have that traumatic event happen and for you to not be okay.
2: Yes. It's not nearly as taboo as it used to be either. So it's very important that, and part of the motivation for starting this podcast was to help remove the stigma of people being afraid to talk about mental health and PTSD and how okay it is to have those struggles and how okay it is to be willing to get some help because there is such a a stigma or a roadblock right now of people that are fighting with these things that are scared of what exactly what you just said of the parenting thing or the job thing or whatever the case might be. And I feel like- well, it's a society that is a societal and the only way that we can get better is to
0: is talking about it normalizing normalizing the fact that normal isn't even a word Mm -mm. it's not normal isn't a thing normal isn't a definition
1: what's normal
0: yeah there is no.
1: (laughs) who is is normal
0: no one cheers to no such thing as normal Cheers yes. to no such thing as normal.
2: So, Ryan, if people wanted to contact you with questions about some of these resources, or if they just needed someone to talk to, what is the best way for them to reach you?
1: Probably Facebook, Instagram, or honestly, you're just on the TikTok. Uh, I, I, yeah, TikTok, but I'm not. I'm not really on there that much, and I'm on there. Well, I, I was on there too much, so I'm like, okay, I gotta. <laughs> I'll pull back off that a little bit no the yeah. uh, best way is, is call or text me call or text me at, at any point if like i leave my phone on loud and i don't sleep well anyways so even in the middle of the night i don't care give me a call i'll so sit you, there looking
2: if you would like to reach out to ryan personally and would like his phone number to either call or text him you can contact amber or i And um, give us an email to veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com and we'll get you in touch with Ryan. So that way you can have those conversations with him if you would like to. So if you would like to contact Amber or I, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at veteransdrinkingvodka. Or like I said, you can send us an email at veteransdrinkingvodka
0: at gmail.com. Please, please reach out if you would like to tell your story and be a guest on our podcast. Or you can send us an email, like Amanda said, at veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com or DM us on any of the platforms that she mentioned. Amber, now that they know how to contact us, do you want to talk a little bit about the charity we're choosing to support this episode? Sure. So our main focus is the mental health and mental well-being of veterans and the fact that 22 veterans killing themselves every day is completely unacceptable. And so our charity that we focus on, that we are promoting and that we support fully is the Till Valhalla Project. I wear a 22-a-day bracelet every day. It actually never comes off of me. And any donations that we do receive in support of the Tilva Project will go directly to them. They are a great organization. I know that Amanda will include that on our,
2: our show notes as well.
0: If you like our podcast, subscribe on Podbean, Spotify,
2: TuneIn, Google Podcasts, or Amazon. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. We are always up for constructive criticism. We are on a learning curve with this podcast, but we felt it was important to get our message out. So we just started. So let us
0: know what you think, how we're doing, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, and we'll keep it going for you. 22 a day is 22 too many.
2: One is too many.
0: And you are never alone. Veterans drinking vodka. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.